My favorite song. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where we're not dancing when the uh, music ends? I don't know. I I truly don't. Uh, It's one of my favorite songs. I legit (laughs) sing it in my head when I'm just randomly doing things. What's up, y'all? Happy Sunday. Welcome, welcome back to Chill to Action on the Call to Action Network with me. It's your girl, Danny Joy, here hanging out with, as always, my favorite co-host, Mr. Paul Denuzian. It's me, it's me, it's PLD. Uh, we've had a, definitely a fun weekend here on Call to Action. Uh, we had a fun little event that happened uh, on Friday night, the uh, last general standing. You definitely go take a look at that. That was a, a lot of fun, a great big long. Uh, what Alex said was going to be an hour and a half show. <laughs> Turned out to be, what, five and a half hour show five. at that point? That stream went pretty long. Something like that. Just, well no big deal. No big deal. I don't even remember who won. Like I, I, I don't have no idea. Like who won. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Who? It matters. Nobody. It was nobody important who won. That's how that like. There's nobody important. Anyways, if you didn't catch the last general standing, spoiler alert: it was Paul. It wasn't me. It was Paul. That was never happening again because I'm not that good at trivia. I'm really not. I really. I got people call people yelling at me saying I have like this like, false humility right now and false modesty. I'm not that good. It was just. It was. Yeah. A, it was a perfect storm of a night that's all i gotta say about that so that's why i'm gonna retire because i don't want to smirch myself anymore so i'm, yeah. I'm tired oh, yeah. but you know what we're, we're, we're doing, that's enough talking about us now we have guests to bring on as we do every week on show to action we take somebody from the schmodown community uh with long time schmodowns rookies somewhere in between uh and we we sit and chill with them for you know a minimum of time uh as we like to say, it's our second date because we started to know him already a little bit. So now we get to find out maybe a little bit more. So without further ado, we're bringing on the one and only the one who is tearing up the singles tournament so far. Uh, she's got a big match this week. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit, uh, amongst other things. But without further ado, I hope she has Tangirl with her because it would be upsetting if I don't get to see her at some point again. But <laughs> no it's Liz Shannon Miller. Hi, everyone. So good to see you. Thank you for coming on to our show. How are you doing this evening? Oh, lovely. Um, you know, uh, Tank Girl is running around here. Uh, she she might be entering full of beans mode, which means that I, I, I can expect to be attacked at any moment. Um, yeah, or she might be entering cuddle mode. You know, it's really, you know, it, 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 she's a young, she's a very young cat, so it's hard to tell. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, uh, relatively pleasant uh, Sunday evening here in Los Angeles. Um, good. good to know. All right. Well, cats Liz, are always welcome. So. Cats are always welcome on Chill to Action. It's a cat-friendly podcast for story. Yes. Liz, thank you so much for hanging out with us on this Sunday. We really appreciate you spending this time. As right. usual, we always like to ask we always like to ask the same question to our guests every time. And that's oh, how did you get involved with the Schmodown? Like what got you started in playing and competing in the Schmodown? So I think I first, uh, basically I got, uh, so I, you know, it's, it's pretty common knowledge that I got in because of Ethan Irwin. Uh, the full backstory on that is I have known Ethan Irwin since maybe 2002, um, approximately 2002, 2001. I randomly happened to work with his wife, his now wife. She, they were just boyfriend and girlfriend then, but we worked together on a student film I was making. And uh, she, she had just moved to LA with Ethan. And so we became friends that way. And she and I have been, are, are very close and Ethan and I are really close as well. And so we've just been friends for a really long time. And I think it was, 
I think it was, I think it was actually 2018 when I first got told when I think, I, I guess that might've been Ethan's rookie year or was that 2017? I can't remember. It's all kind of flowing together. Time has yeah. been a construct yeah. for me now, but it was right around that time that he was a rookie. He was a rookie. I yeah. remember hearing about you right after his rookie year. So yes. Yeah. So basically, like he he uh, he basically was like, "This is a really fun, really fun thing I've been doing. You should do it." And uh, I think it maybe took like an extra. Like I didn't join right away. I think I eventually connected with Christian, and he brought me in. And it's funny looking back on those early matches where I'm just like, I'm just kind of showing up and like not having any understanding of like you understand you go in and you play movie trivia. Like you, I, I'd watched matches beforehand, but like you, the actual, the actual everything of it is, right. is, is not something you understand right away. It's not something you can understand right away, but uh, now having done this for two years, uh, it's been really, a really exciting, wonderful thing to add to my life. And even like, even like with my parents, like uh, when we when I started off, I was just like, I'm just doing this silly thing, and now I talk to them, and I'm like, well, I got the in the wheel round, and they're like, oh yeah, we understand. Like they <laughs> they, they become conversant in schmodown schmodown terminology. <laughs> it seeps in everywhere, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta be fun. Well, that's great. I mean, we know that you started off like you kind of had a lot of hype to you. Like uh, Christian mentioned right away, like that uh, I believe Ethan's wife had said that you were better than Ethan. You knew more <laughs> things than Ethan did at this point. So right away, everybody's like, "Wow, we have to see what Liz Shannon Miller can do." Then um, you come in, you have your first three matches, you win right away. Like you're three and zero, and it was pretty. You pretty much were showing that you did exactly have. Uh, the hype was real. Right. Uh, you did run up into a small stumbles with, against two people, Paul Ayama and Ben Bateman, who were both in the middle of their big runs that, <laughs> at that point. Yeah. You, you just ran after them in the wrong time. <laughs> um, and now this year you come back, and it's like those two matches haven't existed, and you're winning all over again. How has that been as far as like your beginning when you had the big 3-0 and run? You had your stumble, and now you're back. How has that whole uh, journey been for you? I mean, honestly, to be completely honest, and it's something I get, it's something like Christian and Christian asks that a lot during like mat, you know, match interviews. Um, because I think I think I think Christian's just like, why is she doing better this year? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think honestly what what, it, what the difference between those first three matches, which I handled pretty well, and then the the other two matches was I ran up against uh, the faction system. And the, I like the first three people I played, JTE was part of a faction, I believe, but he was just basically being managed by uh, or he just basically had the like Lon and uh, Jonathan as his managers, right. and right. Uh, so, I, I, so those three like it was just it was very different from the other two. And I think like you, I made some catty comment uh, where I was like, "Oh, I didn't know I could bring my friends to cheer me on." <laughs> I did remember that one actually. <laughs> uh, like uh, after I think I think that was the Paul Yama match because uh, I was it. You know, I don't want to say I was intimidated by the fact that you know I I I, I walk in I sit I walk in playing playing my, my theme song, uh, and then you know then like five dudes you know come <laughs> in and then, like do their own thing. I'm not going to say I was intimidated by that, but it was a different vibe than like just coming in and sitting opposite like Demi Demi or uh, David Del Rio. Right. Um, it was a different it was a different thing. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it was it, it was it's been a really crazy journey. But that's really what it comes down to is I didn't have a faction during those two matches, 
and I didn't really understand what having a faction meant and then getting drafted in the swag, not having, not even really knowing anything about it. I was just like, I just basically got a call like, Hey, by the way, you've been drafted in the swag. Uh, congratulations. Uh, uh, I, cause I can, I wasn't even at the draft and right. I then basically said, okay, well, uh, I've been drafted. That's a thing. Um, and then, but Winston and I met for a beer and in the course of that beer, uh, he really, sold, he really sold me on what he wanted to do with swag. He made it very clear. He understood what, what kind of player I was, what I wasn't interested in doing, what I was interested in doing. And he, you know, really convinced me that this was the right fit. And, you know, uh, got, I mean, that was back when you could meet in a bar for a beer. So that was like seven months ago. <laughs> um, but in those seven months, he really, he really lived up to his word. It's been a wonderful experience. He's a wonderful manager. Um, I don't know how next year will shake out, but I know I will be very happy to be working with him again if that does happen. Nice. Right. I love hearing that. That's very sweet. Um, it, it's so it's such a bummer that we had to go through everything that we've gone through with this season. But it's it's interesting to know that as soon as you were drafted into swag, it was such a fun idea to think of um, the entrances and the walkouts and how you were saying that other people came out with their factions before. So I would have absolutely loved to have seen that big epic swag walkout behind you. That would have been so much. <laughs> It's fun to see. Um, have you had a chance during this quarantine to, to, to talk to your uh, faction mates? Oh yeah, we uh, we we've, we 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 chat semi regularly. They've been uh, we we we've had training matches. Um, and for and just like it's just kind of like a group thing. Actually, it's been really fun. Uh, I know that in the lead up to uh, Chandru's uh, IG match, uh, we had just like we just basically all got on Zoom one night, and I think it was like forget who else was there. I know Paul was there. And I had like I had like the Wikipedia page for the Harry Potter films open, and I was just like like name who played this professor, and I was going like we're going Professor Sprout level in, in uh, deep, and he was killing it. But like it was just like it was really fun. That's like it's been really fun just having people to train with. We do practice matches, uh, you know, and and the thing is like. In, in a non-pandemic setting, it would probably actually be harder to get a lot of people in the same space at the same time. Mm -hmm. And in this case, especially like right now, like people are not in LA. But this has been, it, yeah, it, like I, I, I don't know how other other factions work it, but ours has been really, really close knit. I feel, and I mean, I can't. I, I'm you know looking looking forward beyond the singles tournament. I'm really excited to help with uh, help with Chandra's training and IG, and then like the team's training as well. That's gonna be really. And I have no, I have, I have no horse in this race beyond just wanting to yell uh, trivia questions at Lawn. Oh. <laughs> right. Well, that's a good person to yell at, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, did you know Winston before that at all? Or was it Winston's like when he drafted you? Was that the, he didn't have any talk with you no, before? No, no, I never met him before. But right. I, I consider him, I consider him a friend now. It's it's wonderful if I. The fact that we're making we're making friends as adults in 2020 uh, is 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 on its very own bit is enough reason alone to love the showdown. Right, <laughs> that's true. And speaking of your know, faction mates, you did have a team match this year with uh, with, with Adam Halavik Rogue yeah. Two. Um, is that still something that I mean, if if you were on a team together next year, is it someone you've grown? Did you have a good time with him? Did you have a good chemistry with him? Somebody yeah. you like to team with again? 
yeah, I, I had a great time with him. I, I feel really badly actually because I think I, I feel like I like uh, in that match we spun DC movies, and uh, you know, I, I feel like I led him astray on one answer, and I feel like you know he has this reputation where it's like you you know he want. I, I feel like he he wanted a perfect round. No, uh, he, he's lovely. Um, I we just haven't had a lot of interaction. I think he's just extremely busy with other projects. Yeah. So I think that's a factor. I, I think that was the primary beyond the fact that final exam is amazing. I feel like that was the primary factor in why uh, I you know he and I didn't go into the singles tournament. Uh, not singles tournament. The, the team tournament. Team tournament. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would happily work with him again. I'd happily work with. I actually would look, happily do a teams match with you know anyone on my faction certainly, and a lot of other people like you know. Well, you have a choice. If you have a choice right now, like you had a choice, who, who would be your number one pick to be on your team? If you could oh. deal with anybody. Faction, this is tough. And I, I, I really want to stress that I'm just pulling this. Like, again, everyone has such great knowledge. Like, I feel like Bibiani, like, if I had to pick anyone, anyone, like, I mm. love Bibiani. And right. he's such a positive, lovely energy, which is totally my thing as well. And so I would love to potentially play with him. Right. Um, and, but, you know, within my faction, I would also say, like, I feel like Paul is is such a workhorse and just also so knowledgeable. Mm. Um, but also he's got, he's, he's a really good dude. Like, I think, like, he, you know, it, it, but, like, again, like, literally, I, I feel like there's a very short list of people that I'm, you will not get me to talk about. Uh, who I would uh, I would not want to play for a team's match. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, we won't ask for we won't ask to get you in trouble. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of Bibiani, choose Bibiani, and speaking of that, that's the big match this week. Yeah. I mean, get through for round one, then you you kind of have the match against Chance, and Chance was on such a roller. We was talking about him, Player of the Year. He did the IG tournament, won the IG tournament, uh, and he was the guy to beat. And all of a sudden, you said, "No, no, nay, nay, uh, I'm going to take you out." And uh, drip, drip to the next round, and now you're facing the guy you just said you wanted to team with, which is the William the Beast Bibiani. Now, knowing that you wanted to team with him, like, how do you prepare for someone like that who just had the, like, a perfect game um, and was just he's been on fire as well? How, how's that yeah. training go? Yeah, I mean, I think th there were two factors in it. it. There's there are two factors in 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 in, in this whole situation. One is that. Um, it's not that I didn't expect to beat Chance. It's just that I was like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to do the best I can. If I win, awesome. If not, I know I lost against someone who's really incredible. Um, so I did not lose, which was nice. And, and essentially, at that point, the rest of it became gravy. It was like, <laughs> you know, it's like whatever, whatever, you know, whatever happens next, I'm just happy to be playing the game still. Um, so that's my big lead up to that. That was, that was, that was, that's the attitude I come into playing against Bibiani. The other factor is just like, you know, again, when, you know, losing someone like Bibiani is such an honor, <laughs> like, you know, and he's such a wonderful human being as well. So it's just like a nice combination of things. So I, I mean, going into that match, it's, you know, it, the, the, you know, it's every day. Every day you're above ground, and you get to play the slowdown. Like right. you know, good day. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good saying. I like that. I, I feel like did I, did I answer your question? I feel like there's my doing a component I missed. Yeah, uh, which, okay. No, I basically just want to know how you felt about going against. I mean, yeah. you could just add on. I mean, uh, you how how confident are you? 
Which you know, this is this is actually. This, I, I I was like, oh, this is. I meant to say something and I forgot to say it. Um, I, I beyond the idea of occasionally like doing some brainstorming about wheel slices and what to put on, right. and very specifically, you, you know, the idea, the concept of finding the perfect wheel slice, which is something you know you can answer really well, and then something you know your opponent might stumble on. So right. if they get it, if they get it, you're fine. If you get it, you're more than fine. Right. Uh, and that was like, so that was, for example, SNL, SNL movies was something I put on. And as soon as I got Spinner's Choice, I was like, damn, we're doing it. Right. Uh, so uh, in terms, and, but beyond that factor, I very, I don't, I like, I, I think I made a joke about this in the, uh, in my interview for the chance match. I don't make dossiers on other players. Like, cause in, at the end of the day, it's you and the question. That's really all it is. It's like, you can train. That's what you have to train for. It's not you versus the other guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, usually, you know, that, that is there and you can, you, there is strategy and so forth, but at the very, at, at the clutch moments, at the five pointers, at the, at the wheel round, it's, it's you and the question. And right. you know, that's what you have to defeat. Yeah. And that's exactly what you did in that match against, against chance. And, and what, like, a weird I can't think of the right word for it but like just like the moment that you heard the question for your five point question uh, asking the year uh for <laughs> for a tank girl and yeah. and I thought this was really funny I went back to watch the match earlier and in your promo you actually say your cat's name tank girl in it and and I thought that that was curious like I'm wondering should we take an inventory of MTS competitors pets so we can know maybe that's what they're into. <laughs> well, I, think, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Like, um, I mean, I was actually legit work because I, we, we recorded that match. We, we take that match like a month ago um, or over a month ago. And so I've been, I spent like, there, there was like a couple of weeks there where I was like, are you going to think I, I cheated? Because uh, <laughs> like, you're going to think I hack, and I, I've seen people actually make Shimoderati sh jokes, um, sure. <laughs> uh, which fair. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I basically, you know, I really thought people were going to give me a lot more crap, right? And people are, people are saying I got lucky, and I got lucky. Yeah, it's you know, the, the Shimoda is all about luck. There's a, ton, a huge luck component. Dan Roll got his wedding song in the match, like, and I think like that that. And, and nothing has made me happier than that happening, by the way, because like at least you can like there's more than one example of crazy kismet happening. Right, like, exactly. It's I mean, the, yeah. I mean, the big thing with the Tank Girl match is that the Tank Girl question was that it wasn't just the fact that my cat is named Tank Girl. It's that the reason her name is Tank Girl is because I adopted her the day before the 25th anniversary of the film. <laughs> so that's it's it's like and I I that's why I named her Tank Girl is because I was literally tweeting along with Lori Petty and Rachel Callaway uh, as they were watching the film uh, on Amazon Prime uh, right. the, that Monday. And <laughs> I was like, you know what? Tank Girl could work. You just say it enough times because it was it, it didn't necessarily flow right away for me. But I was like, if you just say it enough times, Tank Girl is a fine name for a cat. 
absolutely yeah. fine name for the cat. I agree. <laughs> or I absolutely love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Thank you. It really truly is. There was a time in the 90s where I had a huge crush on Lori Petty. So it was like Point Break, Free Willy, uh, Tank Girl, like a League of Their Own. Anything that Lori Petty was in, I was obsessively taking it in. And Tank Girl was absolutely where like my punk phase started. <laughs> no, I yeah, it's like that movie was perfect for like if you were trying to feel slightly rebellious as a young young teen. Yeah. Uh, and, and the time that I saw it, I think I was around probably closer, maybe a little bit older than the younger girl who's in that movie. And I just remember I've always remembered that one scene with the ball that she has, that little that metal ball that turns into a weapon that just goes Chook! to the to the guy's yes oh god that's so that's so good uh, that's a badass scene and my favorite thing about that movie there are two musical breakdowns inside of that movie like two solid musical breakdowns inside if you have not seen tank girl please do yourself that favor yeah i've been seeing this for years i'm gonna ask someone in the chat to look up who produced uh the soundtrack for that film because it's an amazing soundtrack and i think it was someone really badass and i'm blanking on who it was but yeah if you have someone in the comments can please like look up because, I mean, it's like Courtney Love, Courtney Love. was involved. Was it Courtney Love? Courtney Love assembled the soundtrack. Uh, wow. and Graham Revel composed the original music. So, yeah. I was gonna, it, yeah. So, yeah. We, we're talking true grunge badass. And it's so good. It's like, I mean, like there's Bjork and Portishead and, uh L7 and uh, Belly Veruca Salt. A lot of good stuff in that soundtrack. A lot of great soundtrack. One of the great 90s soundtracks. And in, and also, like, I mean, it's just such a fun... It's, it, like, especially, like, like Rachel Talele, like, on, on during that Twitter chat was giving a lot of really interesting insight into how, like, like, the animated sequences in that film are largely to cover the fact that her the people who were producing it wouldn't give her the money she needed to make certain sequences. <laughs> like, she... It's not a critical favorite, but she did an amazing job with the resources she had. And Lori Petty is giving an uh, incredible performance. Nami Watts is really fun in a way that Nami Watts has has yet to. Nami Watts doesn't get to do comedies, and I think that's a real shame. She's got great timing. Yeah, and, uh, me, Bobby York. There you go. It is. It is a banger. Yeah, it is a banger. <laughs> How do you feel about the uh, reboot that might be happening of Tank Girl? I mean, I love. I, I mean, Margot Robbie. I think is. It's like it, it, I think I I I want to believe that Margot Robbie will find a new flavor of chaotic energy because uh, you know she's very good as Harley Quinn. I love her as Harley Quinn. Um, but I don't know if. I want to see how it works, but like I think basically what it comes down to is. I will be really excited for that movie if she shaves her head for it. Yeah. I think she would. I think she'd come I, 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 I agree. Like, I think she would too. Uh, but I, I want to see it first. I get it. One little tip in it. I'd love yeah, that. You gotta, yeah, yeah. With the, with the one puff. Do you, you need the one puff? So I haven't read any of the comics. I know that it's a comic book. I, I learned that maybe like a few years ago. Had no idea for the longest time in my life that it was a comic book. Have you read any of the comic series from it? I have. I've read a little bit. Um, I I have uh, in my it, 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 you know far away from where I'm sitting right now. I do have like at least one vol one graphic novel version or one one trade paperback. Um, yeah, it's 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 it, it, it the, the comic book captures the same energy, and I I think it's also like it's also one of those movies where I'm really glad it was directed by a woman. Like yeah. 
Yeah. There are a couple, there's like there's like this one sequence uh, near the beginning where she's like there's actually more there's more than one sequence where she like is over tank girls like trying to seduce seduce somebody um and it's filmed in a way that is just it is non exploitative in a that and in a male director's hands that wouldn't necessarily work I mean, not to say male directors can't do that sort of thing I'm just saying. Rachel Talali really killed it. Yeah, that movie sense. was very important for me. Like, like as a female, just in my life growing up, it, it helped me have this. This it was my first really uh, picture of like a strong woman that wasn't like your typical woman protagonist that you had seen yeah. at this point, at least for me in my life. So that's Tank Girl is always one of my favorite movies. So you winning on on that question, or when, well, yes, technically winning on that question, and then having your cat named after it was just beautiful. No, I, it, it made me so happy. Like I, um, yeah, I, I, I could not be, I could not have been prouder of that outcome. That is awesome. That's, it is a great movie. I'd like to see, I'm actually very interested in the reboot as well. I want to see what Murder Robbie has to do. Yeah. And just so everybody knows and think back uh, when, as soon as Liz Schindler started saying something about, uh, her, uh, about, Margot Robbie being great at uh, Carly Quinn. Uh, Kelsey is in the back, vigorously shaking her head, vigorously. Getting <laughs> it's actually, uh, I see almost, I had to stop from coming on and, uh, and talking about, you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> but we know, we all know Kelsey loves Harley Quinn. So <laughs> I want to, sh I want to shift away from the showdown for a quick second and talk to you about TV, um, especially because you're a TV writer and, and I've heard you say stuff about, um, about television, how long you've been writing in television. I think it's very interesting to see this sort of shift that uh, about more more women kind of being upfront and in television, having stronger roles, different types of roles. Have you seen in your time writing, have you noticed the shift like from women being on screen from then to now? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really funny actually because uh, I think we were. I was. I was. Ha I was having this conversation uh, at, in in my work Slack, and we were joking. You know, it was like because um, I think I think people. Someone was complaining about how oh, there's too much television right now, and it's like why can't we go back to the monoculture? Monoculture, where it's just three networks. Right. And I made some joke about like, you know, yes, the monoculture. Monoculture. Mono like famous for let uh, you know in, in, for inclusion and unique voices, right. and they're like, yes, it, now now only some shows are written by uh, written by David E. Kelly, and I'm like, it's better than all shows being written by David E. Kelly. <laughs> I mean, and I think that I think that's honestly like it's been really wonderful just in general across the board seeing because I've been I've been covering TV as a journalist. Uh, I mean. Officially, officially for like several years, uh, but really, like, really, just like my my entire my entire life has been spent writing about TV on the internet. Uh, just occasionally not getting paid for it, and occasionally getting paid for it. And I made it a full time job of at, at some point, and that's been a really lovely experience. Um, and uh, the thing that the biggest thing is not only we you know the the, the study of television involves really kind of understanding both the fact that there is an auteur system to it. There is a showrunner. There is a voice behind most television shows, but then also really kind of understanding like the, the fact that there are directors, there's different power structures. There's a lot of, it, it's a very complicated, fascinating system where, you know, 
for example, take Watchmen, uh, where Damon Lindelof, it, it's it's Damon Lindelof's Watchmen at the end of the day. That's what, you know, if you're, right. if you're making a short reference to it, you're going to say Damon Lindelof's Watchmen. Right. But Damon Lindelof has been very public and very open about the fact that he was made sure that his writer's room was full of people of color mm-hmm. um, when they won the Emmy Award for Best Writing it was really Cord Jefferson who wrote the episode that won. I forget if he is co-credited with uh, Damon Lindelof, but he's he was definitely a writer on that episode. He was definitely one of the writers on the episode, if not the primary writer. Right. And he was the one who gave the speech. Like, I think like the really lovely thing that we're seeing happen right now is the fact that uh, showrunners are recognizing the fact that multiple voices in their writer's room and not just like a didactic opinion make shows better. And, and and like by championing new voices and like elevating them, it makes television better. And so it's one of of the reasons why it's so so exciting to watch TV right now. It is kind of a golden age now in television. You you have so many different options and more, more and more every day. How are you on the, it's actually almost early this or that question. I'm kind of been curious about, I'll throw it in now anyways, we're talking about it. Binging versus episodic. I feel like we had the whole thing where like all of a sudden Stranger Things came in and everybody's like, oh, this is great. We're going to binge everything now. And now we've kind of pulled back. Like I know Mandalorian, for example, is one that started doing like, we're just going to do the regular seat weekly thing. Where do you stand on that? You know, it's fascinating. I feel like, I think it comes down to the show, quite frankly. I think there are shows that genuinely benefit from binging. Okay. There are shows that need it, frankly. Like they need, they, they need that like, and maybe it's because the jerks involved have that, you know, we're not making a TV show, we're making a 78 hour movie. Um, uh, that They have that mentality. Uh, so that that's a factor in there. Um, but I think like, you know, like right now, um, right now I'm I'm kind of uh, I, I'm TV editor TV editor at Collider, so I'm the point in doing a lot of the coverage of uh, The Boys season two, which uh, dropped three episodes at the beginning of the season and now is weekly. Right. So I think I'm. Uh, this is this is the penultimate week, if you will. Um, <laughs> of, of my of my boys coverage uh, before we do get into the post season stuff right and it's a show and the boys is a show where if you were doing a binge a binge review of the entire second season there's so many fun details and so many important issues that the show raises that would probably get left by the wayside because you weren't talking about them on a weekly basis i think i think there is and um i mean and i think like you know, the fact that the Mandalorian and Watchmen were running weekly last fall was a huge, a huge argument for the value of weekly television. And I, I feel like there's, I mean, I, I, I don't mind having weekly television to watch. I like the routine. I like the regular regularity. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's a beautiful, valuable thing. Uh, it's, but I also really do love the binge experience as well. So I think it's, it, but it, it, and I think the binge experience, what the binge experience does is it is, it makes a more fun and more generous viewing experience for, um, for the viewer. 
Like, I think you forgive a lot of a show's faults if you can immediately move on to the next episode. Um, Which is not necessarily, which is not necessarily good news in terms of criticism or quality of a TV show, but it is good news in terms of like, hey, you're a viewer. You, 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 you for, for the casual viewer who just wants to spend three hours on their couch watching a good TV show, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, there's something wrong with being just wanting to watch some good TV uh, and at the end of the day. 110%. I, and only because it's, it's just in my brain, I was listening to, uh, I'm pretty sure it was a podcast that you were on and I didn't read an article, but it was um, talking about Daybreakers, I think is the, the name of the TV show on Netflix. Um, and I think you had just read it. it was, it's about the, the kids in the post-apocalypse. It's Ferris Bueller. It's Daybreak. Yeah. Daybreak. Yes. Is that what it's called, Daybreak? Yeah. Yes, and uh, that was exactly how I felt about that show. Um, I I enjoyed that show very very much, but it it was also a show that I, I would have I I binged it in the time that it was on, and then I'm done with it, and I've never gone back to it again. But it's still something fun to watch. But right now I'm watching um, uh, Lovecraft Lovecraft Country on mm-hmm. HBO, and the episodicness of it is just it's perfect for this type of show so i i love that i absolutely love what you just said so th- that was all that popped into my brain i'm sorry no <laughs> i think love i love craft country is a show i'm currently kind of quasi struggling with just because it's like every episode every week it's a new show like mm-hmm. it's not the same show consistently and so there are episodes i've really liked and episodes i haven't really liked but um yeah the big thing with the thing I love is a show that's available for binging that does still also put a lot of care and effort into making the episodes distinct and interesting. Um, that's, I think, a really important thing to do. Absolutely. Uh, so, what do you have? In, what are your current like faves in TV? <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, I've been going to a lot of comfort viewing. Uh, I, uh, last Friday, I can't imagine why, uh, not this last Friday, but the Friday before, I maybe, you know, was feeling a little bummed out for some unexplained reason. Uh, who could say it might have had to do with the death of a public figure, what not, who knows? Um, and, uh, so maybe I, I actually, it's, uh, one, one show that I've covered before, but I tended not try to watch the screeners for, uh, is, uh, Queer Eye. Um, uh, so uh, I maybe went through a couple of episodes of that show uh, that night that I hadn't seen because I've been saved. It's kind of my breaking case of emergency, a break glass in case of emergency show. Um, it's great to have those shows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, I mean, I, I, I've actually also started rewatching BoJack Horseman, uh, which is a, just like an all-timer favorite of mine. It's so, it's so lovely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of, Recent, um, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll plug that um, if you if you really enjoyed Sex in the City or just kind of like a light rom com ish fare, um, there's a show Netflix is launching Emily in Paris next uh, Friday, okay. uh, and it's a very it's it's by the same guy who created uh, Sex in the City. It's just a very light, sweet young 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 american woman goes to paris to uh work for a uh you know marketing company and have romantic uh exploits so, yeah. Right. yeah there's no there is it's it, it yeah that that's the first thing that comes to mind but there's so much good tv out there 
We do have a super chat there. Danny Coast, one of the uh, oh. two way man's dreams. Hi, Thank Danny. you. Which cancel series do you wish could come back? I'd want Pushing Daisies, Timeless, or Alpha's Hannibal, too. Those are all good. Uh, those are all great picks. Uh, and certainly someone has a fondness for Brian, Brian Fuller. I mean, Hannibal is just like constant. It, you know, don't give up on Hannibal, man. Like, they are constantly. Every everyone who was involved with that show is into the idea of bringing it back. Um, rights wise, I don't even think it's that complicated. I think it's just a matter of like the right getting getting the right people to bring them the right money. Um, I feel like I feel like timeless. I feel like anytime a show does get the opportunity to get like create its actual series finale, like I, I feel like that's that's you know it's like it's great that it had that chance. Uh, you know, it's great that it had that chance, uh, and maybe we should just be happy for everyone involved that it happened, because uh, a lot of shows don't even get that. But at the same time, you know, it'd be nice. If, it, it, it's always nice when canceled shows get another opportunity. I've gotten to this habit now of just like never questioning it. Like <laughs> I've seen too much wild stuff happen in covering TV, like stuff I would never have expected to happen in a million years, and. At a certain point, you just have to start going. Yeah, sure, whatever. It's going to happen. Yeah, anything could literally happen at this point. That's true. And Timeless was one of those birds that anyway because it had like they got canceled after season one, and then almost like three days later it was uncanceled, and like it, it was such a weird like dichotomy with that. Then they got the finale that they want. That was a lot. I had a lot of luck attached to that show because a lot of those Joe gets that lucky like two 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 times like that. So definitely, I agree with that. You got to keep it done now at this point. I love that show, but yeah. I mean, cancel it, it. It's so hard. Like, one of, I think I feel like it's one of the things about growing older is like just kind of learning to live with some cancellations or just like I mean, I think honestly, if, if, if to go really really far back, um, like a, a situation I never want to see happen again is when like probably one of the first shows I really ever fangirled out over was the. Yeah, uh, AB the Disney animated series Gargoyles, oh. <laughs> uh, and it, which was it, it just it just blew my mind that show. I loved that show so intensely, and it got quasi canceled. And then they were like, "Oh, we'll bring it back for a thirteen episode uh, new a new season of thirteen episodes." Um, in bringing it back, they didn't bother bringing back like Greg Wiseman, who was the showrunner who had really made the first two seasons work. Right. And um, that those episodes are the, the episodes in the quote unquote third season are hot garbage and we don't talk about them. And I'm, I would much rather have at this point in my life uh, a show get a clean ending that everyone involved can be at least somewhat comfortable with uh, and all that. That being said, I actually just realized um, what I really would love to see though is I would love for the Marvel Netflix, Marvel Netflix shows. I would love for Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and even Iron Fist, bless his pointy little head. Um, <laughs> I would love for all. I, I would love for because basically what they what the thing with that show was they the thing with those the series was a they got canceled so unceremoniously, like a couple of them ended on massive cliffhangers. Um, and also when they did try to do the Defender series, which I was I was so hyped for the Defender series. Right. And I was 
I, I, I'm still kind of just like, I'm not going to try to pretend I'm not disappointed in it. I, I, I still try to find value in what they did. I find, I think there are elements of it that aren't the worst thing in the world, but it was a failed effort to bring all the shows together. So I would love for at like eight, you know, just like, just like a movie reuniting all those characters, doing what the Defenders miniseries couldn't do. And also wrapping up all of that. That's a lot to put on two hours of, uh, of, of media. So it's probably never going to happen. Uh, but that's what I would love to see. Nice. Is there a particular um, series finale that you felt like really did the best job or a really good job at, at ending the series? I love the Parks and Recreation series finale. That's a go-to favorite. Like I think 30 Rock did a lovely job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think comedies have it easier yeah. as a rule. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a long list, but you know, there's there 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 are definitely shows that have done it really well. And the, of course, like the usually the unifying factor is they know it's their series finale, right? Yeah, uh, I hate cliffhanger. What's what's the worst cliffhanger finale you've ever seen that was never resolved? Um, I'll just I'll just say uh, the X Files. I'll say the X-Files season 10 and then also season 11. Um, uh, season 10 was nearly a series finale. And then uh, everyone involved was like, including Chris, Chris Carter basically wrote it saying, I fucking dare uh, Fox not to renew the show because this ending is so bad. And <laughs> Fox agreed. And he got Jillian Anderson back because Jillian Anderson said, well, I don't want that to be the ending because it's stupid. <laughs> I don't want that to be the last thing that happens at Scully. That's really stupid. Um, and then they went and shot season 11 and then they started promoting season 11. And then Jillian Anderson started saying in interviews while promoting season 11, this is the last time I will ever be playing Scully. Um, and then we saw the season 11 finale. and We're like, we get it, Jillian. We get it. <laughs> well, well, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Or the other way around. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's. Oh, I get that. Yeah. My uh, my own personal my own personal childhood trauma with that was the uh, show V. I love oh, like the miniseries. Wait, the, 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 the eighties miniseries. The original eighties version. Oh, nice. Um, the weekly series was actually crap. I know it was crap, but I I still wanted an ending. Because like they ended with like there was I was like explosion gonna happen and, and then all of a sudden like it was just the end. I'm like and I never found out what happened. It, it broke my little child heart at that point. But <laughs> but it is it's when it's amazing how TV can do that. TV has such an effect on us. Like you want to you get in, in with these characters and then you don't get to know what happened. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's it's you know when I was uh, years ago, uh, one of my favorite uh, one of my uh, professors in college uh, pointed out that, you know, when you go, you go and see a movie and you've got this in a theater, remember theaters, there were, the, there were these big, big rooms where you would go watch a movie projected on the wall. It was cool. It was a fun thing. Sounds vaguely familiar. Vaguely familiar, yeah. But you would, go, you would, so you'd see this, you'd see a person's face in close up in a movie, on a movie screen and it would be larger than life. It would be, you know, and that's, and that's how we made movie stars. They're, they're bigger right. than us. Um, when you watch a TV show, you're in your home. It's comfortable, and especially uh, in the days before like mega widescreen TVs, um, their faces would be relatively close to your own in size in a close-up. 
you were inviting these people into your homes on a weekly basis. They were part of your lives, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the days when it like, remember 22 episodes a season? Like you'd watch for 22 weeks, like, you know, the characters of ER or the X-Files or Friends would be in your home. Like, and and you would you would spend the summer missing them, right? And so yeah, it's it's so it's so it's, it's, it's and you know I I can't like I know that we're you know the schmodown is all about movies, um, but I'm always telling people like if you want to cross train like cr the perfect cross training for the schmodown is TV. Like, not only is there a huge overlap, but it's also just like a really like invigorating. It's like if you're if you're a professional football player, this should be your ballet. This should be right. like what you do to like train different muscles and get really flexible and interested. I never know. There might be some exhibitions of Popeye. I know Christian has always had, he can't think of doing a Schmodown TV because it's just so broad. Um, I would love to destroy all come. I will destroy all comers at a TV Schmodown. Yeah. Um, I swear to God, I, I, I'm here for it. Uh, I mean, uh, quite honestly, like a lot of not just that SNL movie slice, like there have been a lot of questions uh, that I've answered correctly because I know, because of, because of my knowledge of TV, not because of my knowledge of film. Look at that. It's, it's a, you brought up SNL slice again. Was, there was a question earlier in the chat I noted. I was actually curious about this too. Ryan Kramer wanted to know, could you offer any insight on the SNL slice? Is it every actor who's been in an SNL cast or is it like an SNL productions kind of thing? Like which is, what, what's involved in the SNL slice? You know, they never they never told us anything. They just it was just announced as a new slice, and I probably could have asked for clarification at some point, but I just knew that SNL like I mean I figure SNL movies as a basic subcategory, it's not a very long list. It's like right, right. If you're looking specific, it's I mean I imagine you could spread it out to include like. You could get a punch drunk love question in it, for example, probably. Um, but like, it, it, as the category expands and grows, but you know, certainly all the questions I got in that in that uh, round one match with Rachel were all like very movie specific, very much like Lauren Michael has Lauren Michaels is an executive producer on it. Like, that's what I was thinking too. Also, I think it almost has to. I think if it gets out there. To just start including SNL cast members, that just makes it a huge slice. You're talking like you have Bill Murray's movies also, and you have anything that Chevy Chase was in, anything that Adam Sandler has been in, Chris Farley. That's yeah. a, that becomes a very broad out, and we can study for that as much as you can study for any of the 2010s, 1980s, and decades when it's that broad. Right. So. I mean, basically, what it comes down to is if you study, if, you're, if, if, if that's what the slice entails, and I, again, I, I have not asked the question, uh, PJ would probably be the person to answer that question properly, uh, but. Uh, yeah, if you basically at that at a certain point, if it just becomes movies that Lauren Michaels is not officially an executive producer on, then the answer to the question it's just you're studying for comedy, like you're just studying the comedies category. That's uh -huh. exactly exactly what it is. Yeah, it yeah, is. <laughs> because you're right. You you are very correct in that assessment. Like, it, honest honestly, like trying to eat, I, I it would be fun to go back and like pinpoint. Movies that aren't touched by, uh, right. some, by some, someone who has any involvement with SNL, even just hosting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just recently stumbled across like Jeremy Irons hosted an episode of SNL in like 1991. Right, that's right. I, I remember yeah. that. I remember that now. Actually, thinking about that. 
he played. He, well, I found I, I I've been doing uh, working on a Sherlock Holmes uh, project, and he played Sherlock Holmes in a sketch. And his Sherlock is really good. It's really? a really good Sherlock. Like it, it, I can buy that. Yeah, no, it's just like it, it's it's. I mean, I mean, legitimately, is there anything Jeremy Irons cannot do, or at least get through without making a complete fool of himself? And the answer is very low. <laughs> sure. Liz, before we move on to the sure. next segment of the show, I have to ask you a very important question. Now, we don't have to get into the origins of disco whiskey, but <laughs> I would like to know, um, have it, it, it's unfortunate that we can't do anything now. I know that um, I read it in your, in your, oh, I'm sorry, what's the, it starts with an M. What's the Medium. name of that? Medium. Thank you so much. I read it in your Medium page. There's a link, uh, com in the description. Click on there. You can find anything that she's worked on. Um, I read it in your Medium page about disco whiskey, and it just, like, like that whole concept just kind of blew my brain. I, I, was, I bartended for a couple of years. So oh, that, 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 that explains it. Because that. Yeah, I mean, the the concept of disco whiskey was something that came uh, in in my um, maybe about I think it maybe started about 14, 15 years ago um, in the days when you could go to a bar. Um, but like, you basically like the idea. Like, I think somebody just like had already been drinking, clearly. Um, and one of my friends went up to a bartender and was like, make me a disco whiskey. And the bartender said, what's a disco whiskey? And the, my friend said, you tell me. And, uh, basically this has become like a, a, the disco whiskey. And I'm so glad I'm able to spread the, the gospel of it because it's such a wonderful, it's such a wonderful thing. Um, because basically the idea is if you're at a bar, when, once bars reopen, it be safe. Don't rush this, but go to a bar, and then you ask the bartender to make you a disco whiskey. And the bartender, it, it, it should be quiet. The bartender, the bar should not be busy. The bartender should be cool. You should have already ordered at least one drink from them and tipped them well. Like these are my tips for ordering a disco whiskey. So this is your second drink. You ask for a disco whiskey. They say, "What's a disco whiskey?" You say, "You tell me." And it's basically the idea is. Let the bartender create a drink for you, or ask the, ask the bartender to create a drink for you uh, based on those two words. And it's, um, I, I've you know, it's a, a lot of time. You know, it says sometimes bartenders aren't into it. Sometimes they are. Usually, the you, you, it's it's a it's a feeling. You have, it's a thing you have to suss out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh. The, the idea is it's, you know, I've, I've drunk a lot of whiskey sours asking for the disco whiskey. <laughs> uh, usually that's kind of where people go. Um, I had one at a uh, hotel in Colorado for, well, while I was there for a friend's wedding, uh, where they tried to incorporate champagne with varying levels of success. It was, it was like the idea of just like the bubbles adding the disco element to it. Nice. Um, Danny, I feel like I want to know what your disco whiskey would be. I was trying to think you trying to think of a disco whiskey that I could think of. And so in the notes that you had written down in that article where it doesn't technically have to be whiskey, it's yes. your own interpretation of the drink. And obviously with me, I was like, all right, I got to make it tequila. I don't know what to do with tequila, but I'm also a big fan of um, what's it called? Why can't I think of the, the damn name right now? It's not Clamato, but it's Zing Zang. Sorry. Um, oh. 
Yeah, so almost like uh, like a michelada with uh, tequila. So instead of a beer, using tequila with zing zing and rimmed with um, uh, chili powder. So almost, yeah, almost like, um, why can't I think of the damn vodka drink? Why am all of my bartending skills are completely out of my brain right now? Atrophied. I'm sorry? You're atrophied. It's been yeah. so long. I know it's been so. It really has been. It's been so long. Um, what what's the hangover drink that you drink whenever you have a hangover? Oh, uh, a bloody mary. A bloody mary. Thank you. Basically, it's a, it's almost like a uh, like a bloody maria. It's almost like a bloody maria, but I got to figure out a way to to adjust it. I didn't have all of the time to develop it. Yeah, you know, no, it's it's no, it's that that's I I, I mean I, I would one hundred percent try that. Um, you know, I don't I don't even really love like super spicy things, but yeah. No, I think that would, I think, yeah, I think tequila in a disco whiskey makes actually a fair amount of sense. Like, I think tequila, tequila, tequila has that vibe. I feel like tequila is like if you disco whiskey is tequila. <laughs> it's your fun tequila because for me, whiskey makes me mean, but tequila makes me fun. So, yeah. <laughs> That was the concept that came into my brain. So if anyone at home, since we can't go to bars right now, but guess what? You can make your drinks at home. If you make yourself a disco whiskey at home, make sure that you at Liz Shannon Miller on Twitter. You do. Your disco whiskeys. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. Ryan Kramer here. This is this sounds like fun. Um, that does sound like fun. Holy moly. Yeah. Vanilla whiskey sometimes. Well, yeah, we could try. We're gonna that. have to think of some disco whiskey. Danny, you should be. Re, you should like re up your show, your old show that you never only did like one episode of, where you made. She had a show idea. She only did like one episode or two episodes where she took a Schmodown competitor. Did you actually? Yeah. No, you, the, I only kind of. I kind of previewed it for the Andrew Guy thing. That's right. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, she yeah. took a Schmodown competitor and then made a drink, like made up a new drink fashioned on that competitor. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. So, Daddy, I think you're gonna have to revive. I think you're gonna have to try I, that I out. Agree. I agree. I, I would. I would. Ha I would be very honored to have a drink inspired by me. And it would. I feel like it would have to be called the Disco Whiskey. <laughs> it has to incorporate lightning in there somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but I, think, I think that's the thing with the thing with the the, the the term disco is that you put that in there. You want carbonation, like of some of some kind, which which it has a lightning quality. It sparks the tongue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I like it. I like it too. Well, I guess it is time. We are going to move on to the second part of our show. If you've watched the show before, you know what this or that is. If this is your first time, well, welcome, first of all. Uh, this or that is where I will be giving Liz Shannon Miller two options, A, option A, or option B, and she will get to uh, choose one of them. Uh, they could be anything. They could be clarified by me if she wants Usually, I say clarify it any way you want because it's your it's your answer. So, sure. uh, we have some that we do uh, every week, uh, and some that we will pick out that are probably tailored more towards you. So, without further ado, and questions by the way, also chat. You know that you can always throw some in there, and if I see a good one or if I see anyone, I'll probably just throw up on screen and let you ask as well. So please get those chats in, and uh, we will move on. And let's just get going then, I guess. The first question we always ask, I'm interested to see, uh, I haven't had you talk I, about I this just yet. didn't see this answer. This is what we don't. Sometimes we know and sometimes we don't. Yeah. We, if, if you don't know, we are a, we are a team action podcast. That's how we started. Back when Ben Bateman and Andrew Guy were together, that's how we were formed, of course, and they had their civil war. 
Um, and we all sided on different sides. Like Danny and I are on one t- one team. Kelsey is on the wrong side, and it's okay. Um, <laughs> and so you want to know Liz Shedder Miller, if you know, are you, would you be on team Guy, team Andrew Guy, or team Trader, Ben Bateman? Well, I think I played Ben Bateman. You did. <laughs> that's that's my that's my middle aged brain uh, kicking in. Uh, so I played Ben, um, and I have nothing against Andrew Guy. And on the one hand, Ben beat me, and he was kind of a jerk about it. Um, <laughs> but he, he also has said nice things about me recently. Um, but I feel bad for Andrew Guy right now, so I'm gonna go Guy. That is the right answer. You were. You, I couldn't possibly have been able to tell that answer from. We are uh, very unbiased. We are very. We are very unbiased. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, good. We can move on now with that right correct answer. Let's move on to some other ones. We'll go right into it for you, uh, Mulder or Scully. Okay. <laughs> I love when answers. We interrupt. I love when answers start. Okay, can we do something good is coming out? So go no, ahead. No, no, there, there, there are a lot of complicated questions. Uh, is, you, you have, you have, you have stumbled across a, uh, a field of, a field of, uh, a field of inquiry that has operated for more decades than I care to admit. Um, but and I could ask you to clarify. I got to go, Scully. Scully? It's like picking my children, favorite children, but okay. uh, um, yeah. You go with Scully. Okay, all right. That, that's perfectly fine. All right. Uh, how about Captain Kirk or Captain Picard? Oh, it's a harder. You know, I've never really actually asked myself this question before, and I've spent a lot of time again thinking about Star Trek. Um. I, I'm gonna go with Picard. Picard. All right, I get that. I feel I mean, like yeah, I, so I just saw someone. Like, I think William Harold just said Captain Cisco in the comments, and uh, yeah, correct. <laughs> we go Cisco over the bird. Okay, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. But, or or I mean, yeah, yes. Janeway. I love I love Janeway, but Cisco uh, DS Nine is the best Star Trek, and you can fight me in the you fight me in the parking lot afterwards. Um, <laughs> That's actually the series I missed when I was younger. I'm going to start. I just finished watching Gen, uh, the Next Generation, so I'm moving on to oh, Deep Space Nine now. You're you're going to watch you're going to watch the birth of serialized television happen yep. before your eyes. You're going to love it. It's going to be amazing for you. I'm so excited for you. I'm I very happy too. It's been a I long time. I've been wanting to watch it forever, but it's never found the right time. So. I haven't seen anything from Star Trek, and I always threaten Paul that my first Star Trek venture is going to be with um, Star Trek: The Animated Series. That's how I'm going to start. That's not a good start. That's a cute show. They did some fun stuff. I'm no, a big fan of animated. I'm just saying it's not a good start. I don't think you want to start with the animated series. I think you got to watch the regular series first, then get I, into the animated series. I did look up a how to watch Star Trek, and the animated series is actually second after the movie. I think whatever order it was, I think it was second. I really can't remember now, but I know that it's up high. Danny, I want to like personally guide you through this. Like, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Yes, please. I was always a Star Wars guy, not Star Trek. I mean, I like Star Trek a lot, but I, I'm definitely not as well versed in Star Trek as I am in Star Wars. So please help her out. Well, I, I'm just okay. Here's what I'm gonna say: is um, 
when I was a very young lass, uh, my mother was a huge Star Trek fan. She got me into it. But I think, honestly, the first Star Trek I really loved independently of anyone was Star Trek for uh, The Voyage Home. I love that one. I love that it one. Is, one. It is, I think watch that one. It is funny. It is. It's got whales in it. Um, I like whales. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, so yeah, no. Watch that one. That's a great and that's a great gateway uh, Star Trek. Um, it, it is. You're actually. That's a actually, good point. I, I mean, actually, okay. Now I'm I'm revising my opinion because you're not an eight year old girl. Um, <laughs> but the, to be fair. Yes, I am. Yes. Oh, here, 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 here. Here's what I'm gonna say. You know, Star Trek two, Star Trek three, Star Trek four. Do those. Okay. Two, three, four. Two, three, four. Okay. Do those. Um, That's what cool. Yeah, because I feel like you're good. You know, Star Trek two is a little heavier, but start. You need to watch. You, you do. Act, if you're not an eight year old girl and you actually know, can comprehend plot beyond. Oh, cool. There are whales. Um, <laughs> You're gonna want you're gonna want to watch two and three before you get to four. Okay. Yeah, it, it's no, no three is the weaker one, but then you'll get to four and there are whales. <laughs> I am not giving you in-depth critical analysis because I want you to be unspoiled. Just know whales are coming. Nice. I love this. Lots of kids start with the animated series and found their way to the original series. That could be true. Yeah. Well, the true. reason why I wanted to get into Star Trek was because of the the Lower Decks. Is that the new animated show? That's coming yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. But yeah. it, it, the, the, the thing with Lower Decks, though, is that it, 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 it's entertaining on its own level, but uh, it does actually, like, really, really reward your hardcore nerd fans. Um, like there, I, I will tease this. I've gotten to see a screener for this next upcoming episode, um, which is basically, um, at least 30 to 40%, just a flat out parody of JJ Abrams movies. <laughs> um, I'm just saying there's some lens flare. I'm just yeah. saying there's some lens flare. Um, probably just one. Uh, if ever puts in his movies, he makes sure that we just see the one. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> sorry, sorry for this long Star Trek digression. No, um, yeah, you can get me talking about Star Trek for a very long period. Of time. I'm happy to do it. This is actually why do we do even this or that? I can always pause it. And we can always come back. I like it. I agree. I agree. Talking about it forever, so I, I'm fine with that. Um, how do I'll, I'll actually even add on to it? How how do you feel about the the J.J. Abrams? Star Trek verse versus like the, the, the older verse. Um, well, I think the originals, the original six. Oh, well, I mean, because that is because it's a co more complicated question. It's, it is. You got, the, you, got, you got the original series six, right? You got the next generation uh, films. Um, and then you've got, and then you've got Jane Universe. I think, I think honestly, legitimately, the Star Trek 2009 is a perfect film. Um, I mean, okay. I mean, there, there, you know, probably there are nitpicks and so forth, but I think it was really incredible how that movie managed to do everything it did. I mean, I think most especially the fact that I was very nervous about that film because I am such a huge fan of, you know, Next Generation and DS9 and everything that most everything that comes afterwards. Right. Um, and, it found a, it, the the whole you know 
alternate universe thing, found a way to create, basically preserve what I loved, but also yes. give me something new to love. Like that's, that was the, that was the, that was the thing. Like I, I, I really love and respect that fact. Yeah, um, it rebooted it. It found a way to reboot it without destroying everything. And that's exactly. so perfect. No, and it was actually happening. Yeah. The, and basically um, the problem with the, the real issue with uh, Star Trek in the darkness is that beyond the fact that they really Shanghai themselves with uh, trying to preserve the secret that was not a secret, except it was a secret, except it wasn't a very good secret. Um, right. And beyond that fact, the basic problem with that movie is that it's trying to be a Star Wars movie. You can basically see, you can even see J.J. Abrams auditioning to make a Star Wars movie in that movie. And it's bad. What? Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying like J.J. Abrams, I, I'm not going to, I am not opening the can of worms that is the J.J. Abrams Star Wars universe movie. <laughs> I'm saying, um, I'm saying that it's bad to make a Star Trek movie that wants to be a Star Wars movie. Although I could see there's an argument, to be honest with you, I would say there's an argument to me that even Star Trek 09 had a much more Star Warsian flair yeah. than the that the Star Trek movies have in the past. It's much more adventure. And you can even see there's like a little cribs of like New Hope type. I mean, you have like the, the farm boy meets a mentor, goes into outer space, there's a planet's being destroyed. It's like a lot, I mean, it's a lot of sci-fi tropes as well, but it was kind of a, definitely a, a, a nod. It's a big Star Wars. Like, oh, I've seen a little bit of this before, but it worked for me anyway, so I just loved it. So. No, of course. You know, I, I, I definitely hear you. Know, no, it, I definitely see that. I think it's just, it's, it's subtle in Star Trek 2009. It's embarrassingly I'll agree with that. In, in, into darkness. Like, I'll agree with that. I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> it, it's, I mean, it's like a lot of sequels where it's like whatever, what you know, the best and worst qualities of the original film get amplified. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. I will throw this. I always have to throw this. Kelsey has to do My dad wrote a Star Trek novel, but I've only seen 45 minutes of Star Trek the movie. So she's a failure to her father. And that's okay. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I when, your, when your parents are involved with stuff, it's weird. It's their thing. It's, you know, it's hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, you know what? We, I actually had one other Star Trek question. It, yeah, it, is, it is old versus new uh, next generation. Spock or Data? I love these think questions. When Paul makes someone think, those are always my favorite ones. Well, it's like because they are serving essentially the same function within the cast and right. the ensemble. Um, I'm going to go data, if only because he is a cat owner and he really promotes. And I had I had a bad day uh, a couple of days ago, and I or a coworker was like, "What can you, what can I do for you? What can I help you with?" And I was just like, "Just give me the just just give me the spot the spot treatment." You know, tell me I'm a good cat and a pretty cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. That's awesome. Okay, I'll yeah, definitely so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think they're both fascinating characters. Um, and I know my mom would choose Spock in a heartbeat, but uh, she also went through her prom with a guy who looked a lot like Leonard Nimoy, and I don't think that was an accident. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, okay. Tank girl or jet girl? 
You know, the, the thing is, uh, so a, a lot of my fandom, fan, my Tank Girl fandom uh, comes down to the fact that my best friend in high school and I loved the film together. Okay. And she was always the Tank Girl, and I was always the Jet Girl. So I'm going to go Jet Girl. Nice. All right. See, that's right. And I, lo- I love being friends with Tank Girl. I love having <laughs> Tank Girl in my life as a friend. Uh, I am much. Pro- I am probably more more in, in my daily my daily activities. I am much more of a Jet Girl. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, poutine or loaded French fries? I don't even know what loaded French fries are, but poutine's amazing. Poutine. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. Um, now we all know you're on swag. Obviously, you want swag to win the faction battle. Yep. But there's three teams that are in kind of contention at this point. Oh. So if swag couldn't win and swag is out of running, would you rather see the Finstock Exchange or Corruption? Win at the end of the year. Oh God! I feel like this question is getting going to get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> remind me, remind. Okay, so give me. Uh, I think everyone involved with both teams are lovely. Um, that's my on-brand statement uh, of, of of happiness and cheeriness and positive energy. Um, I'll I'll say Finstock. Finstock. Um, okay. All right. I don't know where I would land on that. I feel like I'd flip a coin and be d- dissatisfied with either one. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I know who I want to win, and that's uh, that's swag. So we'll see what happens. All right. Well, that's where I know that's why I couldn't put swag in there because that's the obvious choice, right? So. Of course. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the Netflix series. You did love the Marvel Netflix series. Uh, so Daredevil or Jessica Jones? Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, 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 no question. No hesitation. All right. You have to understand. Um, so I, I've been in, I, 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 I've the uh, Bendis comics. That's like that, that, that quartet of graphic novels is like, you know, my, one of my all time favorite graphic novel series um, and comic series. Uh, I'm not trying to elevate. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm fancy or anything. Um, and uh yeah, so they're all, that's an all-time favorite, and uh, gosh, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, basically, so I was I was extremely excited for the show already. I'd already been really excited for you know casting Kristen Ritter. I thought that was perfect casting, and then uh, I remember very distinctly the day that the announcement came out that David Tennant would be playing Kilgrave. And I had to, I literally had to push away from the computer and go like take a walk around the block. And I was like, I, I cannot be around people right now. I, I'm going to, I, I'm just freaking out. It's so good. Like, <laughs> I, I think, I think I, I haven't done a, I haven't really given a serious amount of thought to like critically, which is the best of all the series. But I feel like at least Jessica Jones season one is probably the, the ultimate like expression of what they were trying to do with the Marvel Netflix thing, and it was beautiful. Not good, that that's good. I love the series. I agree. I agree. Um, okay, how about Mandalorian season two? Okay, Obi Wan series or a Cassander series? We'll do all three. Obi Wan. Obi Wan, your one. Okay. No doubt. Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, Ewan McGregor did a really. It had spent several years basically fucking carrying 
the prequels. Like, if the pre the, the only reason the prequels are as watchable as they are is Obi Wan, as far as I'm concerned, and it's all because of Ewan McGregor. He was perfect casting. He really committed. He re he's the only one in those movies really able to like manage what's happening. And I'm so excited for him to get a new show and work with and work with new people and get to play the character. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that forever. I was very excited to hear that. So maybe they'll eventually actually, you know, make it. Yeah, yeah. And I guess he said something that they're going to start filming soon. I thought he said that recently, but maybe I'm wrong. But I, I'm just, I'm just getting kind of cranky about like Disney Plus keeps announcing that they're doing these spinoff shows, and like you guys need to actually start releasing some of them, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's true. You can't tell us there's a new Nick Fury series coming. You can't even get Falcon and the Winter Soldier out to the gates. And right. there are some extenuating circumstances. It's completely understandable why you're not able to do this right now. But maybe don't pretend like you can make it happen if you can't. Like, that's that's all I'm saying. I get the absolutely. Okay. Uh Classic Doctor Who or New Who? New Who. New Who. I wish I wish I, I wish I could be I wish I could be more 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 loyal, favorable to the to the classic. But no, uh, I mean the new. I, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, but I'm a New Who fan, and you know I I, I literally wear that on my back. It's absolutely a fair way to do it. I mean, I, mean, I definitely watch New Who more. I, I grew up with. The old who a little bit, but I definitely fell in love there. New. Do you have a favorite doctor? The tenant? You know, technically, I, I have to. I, I do. You know, I my, my instinct is always to say David Tennant, but it's really prescriptive. You made me fall in love with it. Like oh, okay. it's like I, I I remember so distinctly watching like the you know the Sci-Fi Channel broadcast of the first episode of Doctor Who and that moment at the end of the first episode where he says did I mention it also travels in time and I'm like oh shit I'm in the <laughs> show now and uh, it's like it was like Rose running into the TARDIS in that scene was me running into the show <laughs> and uh, so I David Tennant is incredible I love him so much as an actor I'm there, there was definitely a period of time where I was legit obsessed, and I've seen so many, so much of his work as a result. But in the long run, but I, I, I do, I do feel. Like, I think basically what it comes down to is science-wise, like your doctor is usually your first doctor. Like makes sense, I guess. Yeah, the first, the first, the first doctor you see is the, the doctor you kind of imprint on, and so I think David Tennant is incredible and one of our greatest living actors and also uh, Chris Robinson is my doctor. Nice. I think luckily, actually, we've, we've been blessed with a great set of doctors. All of them have great. Oh, yeah. Chris, I mean, Matt Smith's great. Peter Capaldi is phenomenal. Um, even Jodie Whittaker has been great. I wish, I, I'm not exactly, I haven't been a fan of the newest like seasons. Uh, they kind of, ever since Chibnall took over, I'm kind of like, eh, I wish. Let me throw out this idea for you. Go ahead. Maybe um, if you're going to introduce a the first female doctor in Doctor Who history, um, maybe don't uh, also introduce three new companions, two of which are male, um, and have them dominate most of the stories. Yeah. I'm just, 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 just brainstorming. Brainstorm. 
Hundred percent agree. I hundred percent agree. I think she. I think Jodie Whittaker is a f- fabulous actor. I think she's actually very good in the role when they give her a shot to do stuff. I'm just and not. When they let her actually play the doctor, she's very good at doing it. It just feels like a different show. This yeah. this whole thing. It's just, like, I know they had the break before when Matt Smith came in. It was a totally new break, new companions, new everything else. But it still kind of felt connected to the past. Well, well it was connected because Chris Ewan Moffat had worked on had written Doctor Who with Russell Davies, right? Yeah, and so. Yeah, Russell Davies wasn't running, running the show anymore, but Stephen Moffat was at least involved. And so that transition was easier. And and Shibnall had written Doctor Who as well, but the problem is Shibnall isn't a stronger writer. And also, again, Jodie Whittaker doesn't feel like the star of that show. It feels like an ensemble piece because there are yeah. three companions. Yeah, With, in the history of Doctor Who, going to the classic era, there have not been a lot of instances of three companions. And you know why? It's because it doesn't work. No. One, I two, max. I have strong about this topic. I love it. I get it. No, I completely 100% agree with you. I think it's best when it's one companion. And sometimes I like it when they have like the occasional second companion. Like Jack sure. Harkness kind of comes in every once in a while or something like that. That works. But uh, you're right. I, and Rory and Amy worked as a twosome, but that had a different because I yeah. think because they were together. Well, say, well, they had their own dynamic. I think right. like the only if the only core relationship is the companion <laughs> with the doctor, then it's like weird and disjointed. And that's actually that's another problem. It's like like basically it's all of the companions are just kind of like yeah, we all hang out together, whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I I I. I all those actors seem like fine people. I don't dislike any of the characters. I do like the fact that there are characters of color. I do like the fact that those characters of color have storylines related to you know those issues. Mm-hmm. I, I love all of that. I just feel like uh, they forgot the fact that the show is called Doctor Who. Right. Hopefully that's going to change. I did think the second season kind of moved a little bit better in the connecting it to the past, but it still felt off to me. So we'll have to say. I have to. I want to call out someone uh, named uh, Noma Sal. Sian. Noma Sian. Yes, who is uh, saying that my first doctor was Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> I'm about to bring uh, that up, actually. This <laughs> is a is a call out to. Uh, if, please correct me if I'm wrong. The uh, the BBC Children in Need uh, yep. special episode where everyone everyone got to play the doctor, including Hugh Grant, which yep. by the way, not bad. Not, not bad, bad at all. 90s era Hugh Grant playing the doctor. Not bad. <laughs> um, I just started watching Doctor Who very recently. So I'm on. I didn't even tell me that. I did tell you that. You we didn't tell me that. It. We did not well, talk we, about it. Well, I want to hear what you like the first episode. Tell me about Where's it. Yeah. I'm on. I'm uh, the episode where, oh man, the government people are like bugs. And Rose's mom. Oh, is I love that episode. With the farting aliens. The farting aliens, right? <laughs> that's that's like a real. That episode is a real, like you know, like you know, canary in the coal mine, where it's like if you <laughs> if you can if you're like I'm charmed by the fact that the aliens fart. Yeah. Uh, you're into it. I, I, I love that episode. I, I that's the last episode that I've watched, but I couldn't. That <laughs> episode is it's two parter. Have you finished the second part? I don't think so. Then nope. I don't oh, think. Oh no. Okay, so there's part two. There's part two. And part two, part two has my favorite Christopher Eccleston moment. Because it's like, it's this incredibly goofy show. It's this incredibly goofy moment. And then he has this, like, amazing, like, moment with Rose. And it's just, like, it's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. And it's, like, it's in the middle of the show about farting aliens. And yeah. that's that's when you're like, oh, man, Doctor Who, the, you, you are doing something next level here. 
That's uh, that's Doctor Who in a nutshell, pretty much. Because there's a lot of bizarre shit that always yeah. goes on, but yet it always has that heart deep down there. There's always that connection. So. It, it's it's why it's why Russell T Davis is one of our greatest writers. Um, yeah. Like if anyone on this, anyone watching this, if you haven't watched Years and Years on HBO, um, it's going to screw you up. It's going to make you think about things in a really weird way. But it's an amazing miniseries, and you have to watch it. You okay. have to. Um, it it I, I, let me continue to sell it. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it's it's just a mini series. It's basically about this ordinary English family, in uh, and it starts in the year twenty nineteen. That's when it was, which is when it was made, and it goes to the year twenty twenty nine or so. Oh, okay. Um, so it's Russell T Davis giving us like the 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 not too distant future from the perspective of an ordinary English family, and it is again. It'll fuck you up. It, All right. In the best ways. It'll make you think about the world in a way you really should be thinking about the world. Nice. And he's such a beautiful, humane writer. Like, I love him so much. And, and what was it called again? I'm sorry. Years and Years. Years and Years. Okay. I'll check yes. it out, definitely. definitely. Emma Thompson plays uh, a notable political figure, um, is, is, it, it, which is, it, she's, she's their big star casting. But the whole cast is amazing. Oh. You'll recognize a bunch of them if you watch a lot of British TV. There you go. Okay. Uh, Gnome Sign also has uh, one more for his Adventure Brothers or Rick and Morty. Well, I, I, I confess that I've only ever really watched Rick and Morty, so I have to go with Rick and Morty. But I, 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 I respect the Venture Brothers, Venture, Brothers, ah, Venture Brothers a lot, and I really hope they get to make a, make a proper finale. Speaking of shows improperly canceled. Canceled, that's true. Um, All right. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Well, I think that's where we will end this or that. You have survived. You have made your way to the other side. And uh, now a chat. You know what time it is for that. It starts to get your questions into the chat um, more specifically now. And uh, streamlabs.com slash call to action pod. If you want to get them definitively read, uh, that's the we always take priority on that. My cat is now attacking me. Yes. Hello, go. Indiana Jones. It, uh, it always I, happens at least once. It, it is a cat. <laughs> he just decides you're not paying attention to me, so I'm going to claw your your side, uh, Indiana Jones. All right. Uh, but anyway, besides that, uh, of course, we're going to bring on the lovely Miss Kelsey. Hi, Kelsey. Hi. Now you can talk about Harley Quinn for a second if you really want to. I know you're. <laughs> I know you're bursting. I, I'm so excited for a third season of the show. By the way, I am too. I, I that I love the show so much. I I was pretty confident they were gonna have a third season. It, it just so it's yeah. so perfect. And then they had that great little like joke with the Q and A that happened at uh, fandom and stuff. So I'm like, I was I was pretty sure it was coming, but the validation knowing it's coming made me feel good. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm legitimately shocked that they didn't announce it at fandom. I like, was too. I was waiting for it. I thought that's what the Q&A was going to end with. Like, here's this thing. And then, by the way. <laughs> but well, I mean, it's just like, at, at this point, and this is, this goes back to the Venture Brothers thing. Like, why cancel animation right now? Like, mm -hmm. it's the yeah. one thing we can produce safely. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Like, vo voiceover, stuff like that. I know people are doing that from home. They're able to do the recordings and things, send them in. It's like, that's what we kind of sh like should be focusing on. That would make sense to me. Well, while Danny has to step off just for a second, and while we are waiting for uh, the chat questions, we should plug uh, our shows for this week and next. Um, as far as I think we, I can't plug a Schmo Bates yet. I know Alex is working on one. I think it's officially locked in. She's got a couple of teas to cur uh, 
I almost said T's a dot. That's how I'm feeling right now. T's across, I's a dot. Uh, <laughs> so we can't announce that, but we were trying to do that. Of course, we do have reactions this week. It is time. I got to say, I love the showdown, and I loved how many matches we were getting. But for us reactors and breakdowners and whatever, if the four matches a week was definitely getting a little tough. So it's it kind of getting- nice. Tough. <laughs> it is kind of nice to have a two match this week to kind of like you know so you can deep dive into that and not have to worry about every day doing one. So Kristen, we love it. So uh, but uh, we do have the two matches, so we'll definitely be breaking those down this week, I believe. Um, probably we try to do it. I'll throw it out there. We try to do it four o'clock Pacific generally, but if we have a guest, we might just alter that around or whatever. Oh, here comes Indiana. He's gonna walk through it after this is his time. There he is. Yes. Okay. Yes, indeed. So, uh, for. Uh, is, is this the first time that they've done like, oh my God, look at that beautiful chunky boy. Yes, huh? <laughs> oh, he's so good at chunky. He is very, he's a chunker. Yes, hi. <laughs> oh, he's so fluffy. <laughs> he is so fluffy. <laughs> and he's fluffy. He's clawing me still. All right, there we go, buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what happens um, every time. He has to get on screen. <laughs> so, uh, so what else you can ask? Uh, Oh, it has. Is this the first time that the Shmodan has done four matches a week for for attorney? I think for at least like this many weeks in a row. This I think many weeks in a row. Yeah. yeah. And for a little bit, it was kind of more. I mean, they had more, but I think somebody went down to like three matches a week at one point. This is like I don't. Even, I can't remember a time when it been like every day. Right. And it wasn't like I'm sick because I could watch a match every day. I love. If we had a match every day, I'd love watching definitely. So. But, uh, the reacting part of it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's putting out a show about on everything else. It's kind of like, okay, it's, it, now it's decided to take a little bit of a breather at this point. I mean, two matches a week is good. So. It's been a little while since uh, I've done, uh, it's, it's been a little while since I've paid attention to this. Uh, gosh, I, oh God, I was, I really had a lead up to this question. Um, you know, oh, and the, the, the Patreon thing. Um, so, do you guys like cover cover this for the Patreon uh, for the Patreon uh, subscribers, or do you wait for the global release? We will we'll, we'll wait for the global release because we don't yeah. want to spoil it. Generally speaking, at that point, um, for the live events when they're we will do those usually right away because we are trying to treat it more like a sport, like Christian says. You can't like I mean, you a Super Bowl, you cover it the next day. Uh, but as far as the Patreon matches, we tend to do, we wait until the it's released on uh, so Thursday, just like Thursday night, we would do it for okay. this week. Yep. Um, I'm assuming it's going out to the patrons tomorrow, is what I'm assuming. Is what it usually was. I believe, Mondays. I believe it's like it's like it's, a, it's like the top tier Patreon patrons get it on Tuesday, and then second tier get it on Wednesday, and then the full on thing happens on the first. That could be, okay. That could be. I know something that used to be Monday, but maybe it's maybe it's Tuesday, Wednesday. I have no idea. I have to check it out. So <laughs> I'm, fairly, I'm fairly confident on the schedule, if only because uh, my mom's birthday is on Wednesday and all that. Okay, well then that's you've heard her, her first. Um, other shows we got plugged to plug this week beyond the reactions. Next week we'll have called action live back in full force on Saturday, I believe. Yeah, that's the plan. And I'll be breaking down those matches. I think we're finally going to talk about the teams tournament now because we are going to <laughs> for like two weeks in a row. We were going to talk. We were going to we we're going to predict the bracket, and then we we're going to talk about the bracket. And we always seem to run out of time, and we never got around to it. So this is definitive topic. This week will be the teams tournament. And uh, finally, we have one more show to plug before we get to those questions. Next week's chill to action is going to be a fun one for sure. I'll let Kelsey's ad do the trick because she always makes these ads. I love her for it. So uh, without further ado, next week's Chilled Action.
That's right. Sam Levine and returning on Chilled Action for the first time in a year. Uh, it will be Rachel Cushing. And I want to say real quick, first of all, it's going to be a fun episode. Second of all, I want to, I got to say this is how cute it was. I didn't reach out to Rachel uh, to get to Sam because I don't have any connections with Sam. I was trying to say, what would you think? Could you have Sam come on? And then Rachel came back to me. And she wrote this note. And she's like, "If well, if you're not opposed to it, would you would you mind if I came on? Would you came on together?" And I was like, "Would we mind?" No. <laughs> that's, that's a or what? Uh, yeah. The funny thing about that also is Paul sent me almost that same message to me. He was like, "Hey, so good news, bad news. Rachel, I mean, Sam can come on, but like." Is it okay if Rachel comes on with him? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> That's what I was saying. I'm, I'm, I'm totally sarcastically waiting to see it. She's like, she's like, what's the bad news? What's the bad news? The bad well, news? we're going to have to prepare for two guests instead of one. <laughs> she's like, oh. And she hates me. That's right. Hey, That's you, you, you know, Given what I've learned about it, the level of research you guys do into your guests, like, you know, I do understand. Like, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's more of a commitment. Hey, I, I have listened is. to your voice all day long. I'm not mad at it. I am not mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not but it is fun. It is fun to kind of get to know people like that on, on a different level. I, I really have been reading through a lot of your articles, and I felt really. I, it's so nice to kind of go through them. One article that kind of stood out to me was um, the, the the your I think it was your most recent one in Medium, and it was about Star Wars and seeing yourself represented. Oh, in Star Wars. Uh, yeah. And the way that you wrote it, you wrote it in, in second person and 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 all, Liz, like literally almost every single thing that you wrote down was it, my exact feelings and thoughts on on that. And and it was it was so perfect. So I, I've enjoyed this all day long. So thank you oh, so much. Again. I'm, I'm so I'm so pleased by that. Like that article that I literally wrote that in such a rush of like in, in one 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 morning, I think after watching like the second episode of The Mandalorian and uh I ate so much shit from uh, so many Star Wars fans, but shocking. Uh, shocking. <laughs> shocking. It was like it was like a lot of like uh, Star Wars fan being like, "Oh, hey, doesn't she know about Ahsoka Tano?" And I'm like, I literally write in the article, "I am tired of people bringing up Ahsoka Tano when it comes to Star Wars." Like, I I, I know I know she exists. She's not in the goddamn feature films, and that's what I'm talking about here. And yeah. I'll just go fuck yourself. <laughs> but that really means a lot to me because I, 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 the, the, I, I ate a lot of shit from Star Wars fans, but I also had a lot of lovely people talk to me about how they, they, you know, they also felt really, really heard by it. So that 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 article means a lot to me, and I'm really happy that it happened. We didn't get to talk about it either, but the, um, the action team action has a, a small history with um, Giancarlo Esposito as well. So the, the tiny <laughs> article about, about his dogs, I thought that was the sweetest thing to read. Oh my goodness. Oh God, no, it was the best conversation. Um, I, I forget if I put this in the piece, but the reason, the, the other reason I like, basically I, she's referring to an article I wrote where, um, I basically took the excerpt, the, the, uh, I, I had done this like very long interview with John Carlos Pacito, um, for, I think it was a better call Saul FYC Emmy thing. And he was dealing with his dogs whose dogs were being on really that day. So he kept being, he kept stopping to say like, you know, his dogs. And, uh, so at a certain point I, in the interview, uh, the set I was working for at the time 
would only pay for the transcription if it went over 30 minutes. So I went at, I was at minute 28 and I was like, just tell me about your dogs. <laughs> and I was like, I, I was like, I know I'm going to get an extra two minutes out of this man. On this <laughs> <laughs> and he proceeded to tell me all about his dogs. So um, that was a bit, a bit but I, I didn't use the dog stuff uh, for the articles, but I did put it, it, I did compile it together for a medium post, which I really loved. Yes, of course. I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> it always is a great if you need more time for things, you ask them about their pets because cats and dogs and things that they, people want to talk about them. They love them. They do. Yeah. All right, Kelsey, do we have any uh, questions? Yes. First question we have is from Dean Morgan asking favorite comic movie besides Tank Girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I have to go. Um, I'm gonna, you know, whatever whatever politics around it aside, I literally flew to Boston uh, the first weekend of May 2012 to watch the Avengers in the theater at least two or three times with one of my best friends, um, and it was an amazing weekend. And that film still is like, it's it's it it is so good at doing what it needs to do so um there there have been there have been there are so many other comic book movies i love um honestly you know i'd maybe argue to put unbreakable um as at least my number two if not like an actual number one contender but um on my personal list but because unbreakable is an amazing film as well um but yeah i have to go to avengers i i flew across the country to see it with my friend <laughs> I, mean, I, I think the Avengers is underrated. I actually love the original Avengers movie. It, 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 you're exactly right. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. And it just that feeling when you get when they finally come together, you're just like this the is what circle shot. And I love the way that I do love the way that Endgame plays with it. Like yeah. I love, I I think that that I think that mm -hmm. film did also did what it needed to do in a lot of respects. So. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, all right, perfect. And I did want to throw in a personal question. I forgot that I wanted to make sure I asked. As Danielle was mentioning before we started, there was uh, something you did called "Wrong Liz Miller." Uh, was the email, uh, and I want to hear more about this. Oh, <laughs> tell me what that is. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations, everyone. You're about to learn what my email address is. It's <laughs> Um, you can email me at liz.moro at gmail.com. I, I, it's not a secret. I put it's out there. Um, but uh, the thing about being, I, I, I signed up for Gmail in 2004 ish. And so when it was really new and early, and it's been a blessing because I have liz.moro at gmail.com. That's lovely. Um, and then uh, the downside is that. There are a lot of dumbass Liz Millers out there who don't know how to email addresses and forms properly. So I get a lot of their emails. Uh, so, so I guess I guess I guess the question is: like, do, you have a, do I have a favorite or? Yeah, uh, just a general sort. But yeah, if you have a favorite, that'd be great. I, I can't like on like, literally the volume of this. Uh, I, I'm going to actually go to. Um, I'm it's gonna, a Tumblr, right? 
It's a Tumblr. I have a Tumblr. I have a Tumblr account that I've used casually to uh, for 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 really interesting ones because you get some really interesting ones. <laughs> I, I saw the one with the guy saying, "I just need to get this off of my chest," and it was this long rant about he and his relationship with this other Liz Miller out there. And yeah, there was, there was the guy who there was the guy who I I'm I, having like done some deep diving into it. I'm fairly certain um, had been caught looking at pornography by his very Christian wife. So he had sent an email to her parents explaining that he was very sorry and he was doing a lot of Bible study and he was apologizing. Um, so I'm looking, I, I, I have a folder I save these all in. I have over, I have nearly 2,000 messages in this folder. Oh, um, what? Wow. It's like, no, this is again over like since 2004. Like it's again, still- but it's like, no, I, I I don't know why I saved them even. It's just like it's just it's just interesting to me because it's a lot a lot like my like, I really enjoy like there are a lot of times where new parents you know they just had a baby they're very tired they put their email at they they send they send their emails into the wrong person I usually I I always respond just saying like hey wrong Liz Miller check your address and try again <laughs> um, but yeah I think uh, yeah. I, I, I'm just gonna say I really enjoy it when I get like just a cute baby photo, um, <laughs> or like or, or puppies. I got actually like there's this one. Uh, there's a I think there was like this one person who really couldn't figure out the email address for the Liz Miller they were looking for, because uh, of course there are a lot of Liz Millers who use something close to Liz Miller in their Gmail address, and so uh, there's this one day where like this this one person just could not figure out who they wanted to send these puppy photos to, but I was like, keep them coming. Like, you know, you know, I, they, they were all very cute. They were very cute puppies. What a wholesome accident. I know. Yeah, I was, it was, that was a lot better than like the porn guy. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy, poor guy. Oh, <laughs> What's next house? All right. Next question uh, we have is what is a favorite TV pilot episode that's not talked about? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. You know, I, you know, not to not bring back to the X Files, but I feel like the X Files pilot doesn't get enough credit for being a really good introduction to the show. I think most importantly, it doesn't just introduce you to what the show is going to try to do in terms of its mis- mythology, in terms of its mysteries, in terms of its format, but it really does a good job of selling the characters and selling the chemistry between Julian Anderson and David Duchovny. It's right there. And it, it, on balance, if you think back on the legacy of the show, that's that's what the show is. Is it's their chemistry, and God bless them for trying to move forward with without either, but without either or both of them. <laughs> All, All right, right. Next, next question is a favorite artist or band. Oh, so music, music times. Yeah. Um, but I wish I was. I, I'm so my, my thing with music is I only really my, my connection with music is primarily in conjunction in, in connection with uh, film, like in TV. Like that's primary that's that's a, that's primarily the way I've gotten introduced to new artists as a rule. Um, I don't know if she's my absolute favorite, um, but there's an artist named Bree Sharp, um, who uh, I discovered through the X Files because uh, she wrote a song. Called David Duchovny. <laughs> okay, 
the course of which is David Duchovny. Why won't you love me? Why won't you love me? Why won't you love me? Um, love it. It's a simple question, David. It's a, but it's a very simple question. question. <laughs> it's like if you listen to her or the albums, I've you know her first album has it's just like it's some really amazing lyrical stuff. Uh, like and yeah, she's she was she was an early favorite of mine. Um, and otherwise, I mean, honestly, honestly, probably if I, if, if, when I really need to get work done, I'm a Daft Punk girl. Um, yes. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. yeah. That's Tron Legacy. Uh, yeah, that's Tron Legacy soundtrack. Oh, but like, just across the board, like that, there's no Daft Punk song I don't like. So. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, that's not, I, I don't feel like that's a classy choice. Uh, you know, the Beatles are good. I hear good things about the Beatles. <laughs> Wait, who? They've done some things. They've done some stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll look into them. All right. <laughs> All right, Kels. Next. Uh, next question. Is there a show that somebody strongly recommended to you that you just hated? Hmm. Yeah, first, the, first the, the important part of that question is the show I just hated. Um. It's usually not a thing I do is hate shows. Um, it's a really interesting question. I will, I will say that every time someone tries to make me get into Ozark, I don't, like, I'm just like, I don't know why. I'm not a huge Ozark fan, and I'm not a huge Mindhunter fan, and I have a lot of people in my life who tell me that I should fix that. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I, I think it's... I don't know. I don't know what it is, uh, and I, I should give them more of a chance. I should actually genuinely try to watch them, but they've just not clicked for me. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Another music question from Danny is a favorite concert venue show. So, concert. <laughs> okay. Well, if I had to pick a favorite concert venue, on. I mean, the Hollywood Bowl is really lovely, but getting in and out of it is kind of a mess. Um, the Shoreline Amphitheater in Northern California is like was like basically a couple miles from where I grew up, and that's where we went to see most shows. And I was, I was, I'm very fond of it. Like, it's a beautiful outdoor amphitheater. Um, they always do an amazing Fourth of July concert. I saw, I went to Lilith Fair there. That was a big thing. Um, uh, so yeah, that was I, I'm, I'm a shoreline girl. Cool. All right. Next question uh, from Brian: Favorite SNL cast member? Oh jeez. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of cast. I mean, I mean, this is recency bias, one hundred percent. But I feel like uh, Kate McKinnon really kills it. Um. I think I, I think she, I think she does characters so well, and she also does her own thing so well. Like it, it, it she, I th she's probably the most versatile of the whole uh, of the current cast. And you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what she does. Like I, I'm excited to see what Kate McKinnon is doing in ten years. Like because I think mm -hmm. she probably won't be on SNL at that point. But and I, my hope is that she finds like. Kind of like a level for her for her talent where she's able to she's able to like kind of maybe be on it able to 
be like Adam Sandler where she just gets to do whatever the hell she wants right. and get paid a lot of money for it. And then, but unlike Adam Sandler, hopefully most of it will be extremely good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not, not just like, Adam Sandler does semi good stuff a lot of the time. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to say for SNL, you almost have to divide it up into eras. Like, yeah. yeah. It's really tough. Like, right. Mike Myers has, I, I have a weird fondness for Mike Myers. Uh, I think uh, Gilda Radner is an all-timer, number one pick. Uh, she was just a talent beyond compare. Um, I love her yeah. with John Belushi. John Belushi was also extraordinary. Yeah. Mike Myers and I have the same birthday, so that's why he's my favorite. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. And then we have a question from Mike Deacon being on brand for himself. Uh, best Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> uh, Mike, will, Mike likes Mortal Kombat. You'll never not talk about Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, with, with, the, with, the, with those 90s fighting games, I always gravitated towards the female character. Like This, it, it, this would be an easy question with Street Fighter because it'd be Chun-Li. I mean, mm. ass on Chun Li. I anyone, any comers, come at me, and if I'm if I'm allowed to play Chun Li, I will take you down. Um, uh, be, but uh, but I never really liked Sonya Blade. Is the thing. So uh, yeah, I, I like I, I, a scorpion. I think is kind of badass. Like I like the idea of you know, you know, you know, you just be like, woof, come here, <laughs> get over here, get over here. That's it. And I, the same thing for me, I always gravitated more towards female characters. And Sindel was actually a character that I really gravitated because of her hair. I've always had long hair in my life. So that little hair thing that she would do. That was always <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, Mike. I remember Mike, Mike was in our, we had a last general standing uh, trivia match on Friday. Mike was in and he basically answered every question with a, with a uh, Mortal Kombat character. So Juno was directed by Sonya Blade. <laughs> <laughs> It's very on brand for Mike. So. Very, very on brand. Nice. Uh, Kels, anything else? All right. And I think the last question we have is a Streamlabs um, from Jonathan asking, if you were to headline a Schmodown live event, uh, what city would you want it to be in? Ooh. Oh, I love that question. It involves me thinking about leaving Los Angeles and being <laughs> in a new place. <laughs> That's a thing I haven't given a lot of thought to in a really long time. God. Well, I love New York, and I haven't been to New York in forever and a day, so I would I have to say that. But there's also a part of me that like wants to like pick a place I I've never been before, uh -huh. like uh, or have been very rarely to. Like I've only spent like the briefest amount of time in Chicago, and uh, Chicago would be cool. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I wish I could go. I, I wish I could be like, okay, actually, okay. So I, I picked my big cities. But um, I, I did this cross-country road trip like 15 years ago. And I spent like two days in this really lovely little town in Ohio called Yellow Springs. Uh, and it's notable because uh, it's apparently relatively close to where Dave Chappelle lives. Um, and this was, and, and it's, but it's just like a really peaceful, beautiful like township and, uh, I had a lovely time there. So yeah, I mean, if I'm gonna, so if I, if I like, if it's like a, you know, let's, you know, if small, if, if you're asking small town, like Yellow Springs, Ohio, um, big city, New York or Chicago. 
Very cool. Yeah. Questions. This is this is really fun. That is it. That was the best one. Great. Thank you all. Yeah, so Liz, just hang out for just a big thank you so much, Liz, for coming in and hanging out with us. Paul, that's gonna be it, right? That's it. That's it. Thank you so much to everyone hanging out with us in the chat tonight. We really appreciate it. Make sure that you like this video. Comment on it after if you have anything else for Liz. And also maybe comment your uh, your recipe for your disco whiskey. Please in the comment section. Let us know. Let us know your, your creations with that. And make sure that you subscribe to the Call to Action channel, C2A2K. We're getting there. So before we head out, Liz, I did not get a chance to tell you this before uh, on the breakdown before, but if you don't mind, before after we finish going live, just hanging out with us with the, for a quick second, just after we finish. Sure. Well, hold but, on. I'm trying to lure a uh, Tank Girl in here. Sure. One last shot. There we go. Uh, so I'll, let, I'll let you and Tank Girl let us know where we can find you. Plug all of your socials, Liz. Okay, where can we found? We can be found. Uh, we you, you can go to my website, which is lizshannonmiller.com, which is compilation of links and so forth to what I'm doing. Um, uh, social media wise, I wish I was more of an Instagram person, um, but I'm more of a Twitter person, and so you can find me on Twitter at Lizlet. That's L-I-Z-L-E-T, and uh, that's you know, kind of it. I, I you I I my my full time job is I'm TV editor at Collider, so uh, Collider.com for all your TV needs. Uh, we do a lot of fun stuff there. It's been a great experience being there. And yeah, uh, Tank Girl is not on social media because she is too cool for school. <laughs> she does look super cool. She's handling this very well, and I'm 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 a little I'm a little worried that something terrible is about to happen to me. But <laughs> a lot of destruction like as we speak. I've never tried holding her like this before. <laughs> um, yes. Um, as long as I pet her, I guess I, yeah. I don't think it's, it's, it's acceptable. <laughs> Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me at KelseyKins90 on Twitter and Instagram. I also run the Call to Action podcast Instagram. So you can interact with me there. T Public, we've got merch. We've got new merch. We got the Last General Standing t shirt available now. So check that out. And then, of course, you can always find me here on Call to Action Live every week, every Saturday night, where we talk about some showdown or something. It's it's fun. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, find me at PaulerScoreDenuzio on Twitter. You can find me here every week with my favorite co-host, Danny Joy, on Chilled Action. And my other favorite co-host, Kelsey, on Called Action Live. Usually I'm on that as well. Uh, also, you can find me on Class Action, which is on Action Industries' YouTube channel with uh, Ben Bateman and Andrew Guy. I uh, produce their shows as well, so you can find me there. And finally, I do have my own PLD Projects YouTube channel, which right now has been very empty. Basically been live hangouts, basically with the uh, like late night after after chill episode sometimes when I go live. Um, but I am getting a little time now that we have the reactions slowing down a little bit. It might be able to at least go through my V uh, watch through and talking about V and hopefully I'll get through that a little more of that. And, uh, and then, yeah, who knows the Harrisons will eventually come out eventually when I get there, I'm threatening it for a while, mm -hmm. uh, but someday it will happen. I'm just, it'll, it'll come out the same day that watch the book does. Probably. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a race to see which one comes out left. And uh, the panelists. <laughs> my project. We'll, we'll eventually get there. <laughs> That's it for me. And you all know me. It's a girl, Danny Joy. You can find me on Twitter at Danny Joy, B A N I E E J O Y. You can also find me here every week on the Call to Action Network, hosting Chill to Action with my favorite co host, Mr. Paul Denizio, and our lovely Kelsey Kirkland right down there. Um, you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel if you'd like. Uh, just Danielle Armida is all of that good stuff. Just search for me there. Um, the Aftermath. 
book club, the Padawan book club will continue. I promise this week was just crazy busy schmodown wise. So it was just a lot of stuff to get through. And then as the wheel turns, we'll come back. I promise it will. Maybe not this week, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll figure it out. If it does, then I'll let you know, I promise. Are you, are you going to get to uh, announce any more matches? Because you were great. Thank you, you all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Liz. I really appreciate that. I don't know yet. Maybe, hopefully, but we'll see. Hopefully. If, if I can put it, let me know if I should put a good word in or something. Thank yeah. you. That was so much fun. I appreciate you so much being a part of that experience with me. And I, I genuinely thank you for being so nice to me about everything as well. It's been so great. No, of course. I mean, uh, I'm not going to name names, but you uh, definitely did not uh, need to do any retapes, unlike some people who actually do this semi-regularly. <laughs> <laughs> that's behind the scenes. Hey, hey. <laughs> but that's going to be it for us, y'all. Thank you so much again for hanging out with us on this Sunday. We really appreciate it. Make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe on this video. And as always, y'all, we thank you, and we salute you. Bye. Bye, guys. Hey.